Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, A Lost Marine Destined for the Silver Screen. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is taken from case number 498 in the files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. PFC Private First Class Richard Courtley was the handsome son of a renowned actor and a beautiful actress who was also destined for stardom in Hollywood. World War II intervened and Richard became missing on an obscure South Pacific island in 1943. Will an enormous pair of shoes be the clue that brings him home after all these years? Well, stay tuned and we may find out. I'm your host, Rick Stone, bringing you another great and true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. More information on the Foundation is available for you at our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We invite you to listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. We dedicate this episode to our loyal listeners in the entertainment capital of the world, Hollywood, California. Here's an episode about one who got away. A star you won't find on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but one who was probably destined to be there someday. Today, the name Courtly doesn't ring too many bells in Broadway or even Hollywood circles. But there was a time in the opening decades of the 20th century that William Courtly and his lovely wife Edna Conroy were the talk of the town on both coasts between New York and Los Angeles. As they say, Canadian-born William Courtley was the star of stage and screen. He appeared on Broadway in productions of As You Like It, The Taming of the Shrew, Romeo and Juliet, Cleopatra, and many other highly acclaimed plays. Married to William in 1912, Edna Lillian Conroy was no stranger to show business. She was a gorgeous model known as a Gibson girl, representing the physical ideal of American women at the time. On stage, Edna starred in productions of A Fool There Was and When It Comes Home, and later on Broadway, she starred with actress Patricia Neal. It wasn't long before the latest fad in entertainment, silent motion pictures, was calling the handsome duo to a new career for actors called Hollywood. William starred in films like The Nightingale, The Birth of Character, and Pollyanna opposite another silent film star, Mary Pickford, who is also largely forgotten today. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is the tale of a child of this star couple, whose good looks, pedigree, and inherent acting ability was no doubt leading him to the silver screen when a little blip on the radar called World War II would divert his destiny along a different path. Richard Wilson Courtley stated he was born in Rye, New York. His birth date and birthplace are supported by online New York State records. 
He was known as Richard to his family and friends, and he had three older brothers, Stephen, John, and Robert, and a stepbrother, William Courtley Jr. The Courtley family was not without tragedy. William Jr. followed his father onto the silent screen, but died during the 1918 flu pandemic at the age of only 26, just as his own career was beginning to take off. The Courtley family resided at 390 Forest Avenue, Rye, New York, until Richard's famous acting father suddenly died at home on December 27, 1930, after suffering what was called acute indigestion. The family left Rye, New York after Richard's father's death when Richard was just six years old. Richard stayed part-time in Rye and lived there with Mr. and Mrs. George Ames on Milton Road. He also attended Rye High School and was active in the school's theater productions and played on the school's basketball team. At the time of the 1940 census, Richard was attending school while living with his mother and one brother in New York City. Richard and his brother Stephen enlisted in the Marine Corps Reserves together in New York City on 17 January 1942 when Richard was assigned the rank of private. He listed his residence as Brooklyn, New York. Private Courtley listed his mother, Mrs. Edna Courtley of West Englewood, New Jersey, as his next of kin. He completed all the necessary paperwork to receive U.S. government life insurance, and the period of his enlistment was stated to be the duration of the national emergency. Private Courtley's records note that he was Catholic and that a C for Catholic was likely stamped on his United States Marine Corps identification disc or dog tag. His vision was 20-20 in both eyes. There's no indication in his military records of any previous bone fractures, birth marks, or tattoos. He did have a 3-inch scar on his right tibia below the knee and a 1-inch scar on the palm of his right hand. The most distinguishing characteristic of Private Courtley was perhaps a size 11.5D shoe. In fact, this is the largest recorded shoe size of any casualty in our World War II database. He wore caps that were size 7 and 7 and an 8. Other than enormous feet, Private Courtley had all the handsome physical attributes you would expect from his father and the beauty of his mother. He stood a little over six feet tall, weighing a slim 154 pounds, with medium brown hair and eyes that were described as sultry. They were blue, but they could in turn intense at the drop of a hat. After completing basic training with the 12th Recruit Battalion in San Diego, California on 12 March 1942, Private Courtley was assigned to the Marine Barracks at the Naval Ammunition Depot in Mare Island, California. And on 15 April 1943, Private Courtley was promoted to Private First Class. He was transferred to A Company Infantry Battalion Training Center at Camp Elliott, San Diego, California on 16 July 1943 and five days later was assigned to the 24th Replacement Battalion. Private First Class Courtley embarked aboard the SS Summelsdick in San Diego Harbor on 29 July 1943 for shipment to Wellington, New Zealand. Upon arrival in New Zealand on 17 August 1943, PFC Courtley was transferred to B Company, that's Bravo Company or Baker Company, 
1st Battalion, 8th Marines. His new unit had previously participated in the Guadalcanal campaign from 4 November until 31 January 1943, when they had been transported to Wellington, New Zealand, arriving on 8 February 1943 for a period of rest, refit, and training in preparation for the invasion of Tarawa. PFC Courtley's unit was designated to land on Red Beach 2 during the invasion of Tarawa. The battalion was transported from their training bases in New Zealand to Tarawa on board the USS Sheridan. Private First Class Courtley's unit was loaded into a landing craft from the Sheridan early on the morning of the first day of the battle, 20 November 1943. <laughs> but through a series of incredible communication failures, the entire battalion was forced to spend all day and all night floating outside the reef without being ordered to land. Shortly after sunrise on the second day of the battle, 21 November, PFC Courtley's unit was given orders to land on Red Beach 2. Unbelievably, they were told there was no opposition to their landing on that beach. A Company, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines, was in the first wave of four landing craft vehicle personnel units which struck the reef hundreds of yards from the beach. There was insufficient water over the reef to allow the LCVPs to float over the coral. By the time PFC Courtley's unit, that's B Company, ground to a similar halt on the reef, the Japanese defenders were in full fury, delivering a hail of fire from artillery, machine guns, and rifle. The front ramp of each LCVP was lowered to allow the Marines to wade the remaining distance to the beach. When PFC Courtley's boat ramp was lowered, the Marines stepped off into warm water that was between waist and shoulder deep. Soon, many began collapsing as a result of being hit by heavy machine gun fire. Others stepped off into deep shell holes beneath the water and were drowned by the weight of the heavy equipment they were carrying. As the survivors struggled to wade onto shore, they were mauled by a vicious crossfire from the partially sunken hulk of a Japanese freighter on their flank, the Seidu Maru, upon which the Japanese had stationed numerous gun positions. Soon, three out of seven officers in B Company were either wounded or killed. The scattered Marines from B Company, who finally made it to the beach, struggled to find cover in shell holes and behind remnants of coconut log seawall. There they dug in individually and in small groups to await reinforcements. As the day passed, the Marines attempted to reorganize themselves as best as possible. PFC Courtley's B Company held the right flank, with A Company in the center and C Charlie Company spread out thinly along the left flank. None of the units were very far from the waterline along the beach. And during that night, Japanese infiltrators harassed and attacked the exhausted Marines. At about 0700 on the morning of 22 November 1943, B Company and the other depleted companies of the 1st Battalion attempted to attack inland from the beach area. Implementing fire and move tactics as they used on Guadalcanal and practiced repeatedly during their training in New Zealand, the Marines slowly began gaining ground. The Marines employed flamethrowers, a few tanks that were available, and demolition teams equipped with long pipes filled with explosives called Bangalore tor torpedoes. 
and packets of TNT to dislodge the stubborn Japanese from their defensive positions. Within minutes of beginning this attack, the entire battalion was engaged in an exceptionally hot, disorganized fight, hand-to-hand, -to, -hand, to the last man. Sometime during this first day on Tarawa, Private First Class Courtly, destined to become a movie star, simply disappeared from the earth. EFC Courtly is listed on his United States Marine Corps casualty card as killed in action on 21 November 1943. The document does not list any injuries and states, quote, buried at Tarawa, Gilbert Islands, 11-21-43, end quote. PFC Courtly is listed in the chaplain's logbook, but with no cause of death noted and no other burial details noted. The Graves Registration Unit report of January 1944 and the island commander, Captain E.C.B. Gould, in his report of June 1944, both list PFC Courtly's burial location as unknown, rather than listing him as missing, as was done with many other Tarawa casualties. Private First Class Courtley's individual deceased personnel, which we found at the National Personnel Records Center in St. Louis, has the following notation. Quote, Private First Class Richard W. Courtley was killed in action against Japanese forces on Tarawa Atoll, Gilbert Islands. Remains were buried on Basio, Tarawa Atoll, Gilbert Islands. Burial details not known. End quote. And his Service record book, also found in his official military personnel file, states, quote, Killed at Tarawa, Gilbert Islands, buried in Division Cemetery, grave unknown, end quote. Well, in the final analysis, the preponderance of the evidence indicates that PFC Courtley was killed by Japanese gunfire after exiting his landing craft at the reef's edge about 500 yards from the beach off Red Beach 2 on the morning of 21 November 1943. It's, it's really not known if he actually reached the shore before he was killed or if he died in the water. The possibility that PFC Courtley's body was washed out the sea never to be recovered cannot be totally discounted. Even if PFC Courtley was killed in the water before reaching shore, it's also possible that his body was washed up on the beach after the landing attempt and he was buried as a unknown on the same day of his death. The support for this theory is the notation on his service record book that he was, quote, buried in a division cemetery, end quote. But, and there's always a but in history's military mysteries, investigators from the Chief Brickstone and Family Charitable Foundation have found one clue. Just one unknown was recovered from Division Cemetery 26, which was very likely near the shore on Red Beach 2 where PFC Courtley was scheduled to land. And this, one unknown, is unique. He was wearing enormous size 12 double E shoes. Could this be our missing actor? Well, the average time for identification after remains are received in the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency's laboratory, or DPAW, is reported by an internal analysis to be 11 years. That's right, I didn't stumble there. 11 years to make an ID, on average. Well, it's only been six years 
since the unknown with the big feet was exhumed and placed in a cardboard box in the DPAA laboratory awaiting examination and identification. So, we also wait. We also wait and wonder and hope for Richard's homecoming burial next to his mother in Hollywood's Evergreen Cemetery. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production and we invite you as always to check out our other episodes on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast you like to listen to podcasts, whichever platform out there that you really like the best. No Home for Heroes is featured on just about any podcast site all across the world. We greatly appreciate your comments and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. Every assistance counts, and you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas, I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that Poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>